Design New Podcast, Episode 22. If you are stressed, stretched, and stuck, and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at tinamurray.com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board, Maxwell Ivy. Max is a totally blind man born into a family of carnival owners in Texas. In spite of his starting to lose his vision by age 12, he achieved the rank of Eagle Scout, graduated from a traditional high school and then college, and participated in the family business until the death of his father forced him to reevaluate his life. Known as the blind blogger, Max is the author of three books and winner of the prestigious Amtrak Writers in Residence Award. He used this prize to take a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to New York City and writes about that trip and the life lessons people can learn. He is already planning his next adventure, a book promotion and speaking tour throughout the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, Europe and beyond. He is always up to help others go after their big goals and dreams and loves sharing his message of achieving your goals by finding solutions instead of making excuses. Join me as I chat with Max about recognising our blind spots. Thanks, Max, for joining me on the Design You podcast. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. And how are you doing, Tina? Yeah, I'm brilliant, thank you, in this nice, warm, sunny Melbourne. How's it there over in Texas? Well, luckily, Texas is, you know, at the bottom of the country. So it was 50s, 60s in the area today. Uh, Nice, sunny, no wind. So, very mild, you know. I can. I've I've got friends in the Northeast who hate me right this minute. So <laughs> now tell me. Now I need to explain to people that you are blind. So there's a whole new context to you know your life, and it's different from ours. So I'm really looking forward to exploring that. But right now, what are you doing to design your best life? Uh, well, one of the things I do most often is just to be open to new opportunities and new challenges and not try to write the story as my, as a good friend of mine once told me, told me before I left for New York, he said, that's the problem. We try to force stuff. We try to make it turn out the way we think it ought to turn out. He said, but you, you know, you, so, um, for example, I recently released my third book, the blind bloggers, New York city adventures, how you can make your dreams come true. Shameless plug. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the thing is, is, is uh, as, a, as a part of releasing that book in my first book review, I've now been invited on what we're calling the MAX RTW Challenge, which stands for Around the World. And I have bloggers already who have committed to hosting me in their homes and showing me the local sites and helping me arrange uh, book signings or public talks or just meeting people in the streets and having conversations one-to-one that lead to people, you know, making those uh, those small steps that turn into big steps. So this is... I mean, uh, and when pe- when I was going to New York, people were like, you're crazy. You're insane. You need to take people with you. Uh, I don't know why your family is letting you go by yourself, and which started a whole other conversation. But, you know, after that, 
this is this is kind of crazy, but it does seem to be coming together. And it started with a conversation with somebody who apparently is nuttier than I am. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, the plan is to start December of this year in Sheffield, England, and it's really starting to become a thing. I'm starting to see it and believe it. Know it's going to happen. Yep. I don't exactly know the the itinerary, who who who, what, where, when, how, all that stuff yet. But I have this belief that it will happen, and I'm already looking forward to it. Yeah, so, okay, so just to step right back. So you went to New York on your own, found your way around, had some adventures, and now you were going to magnify that and do the whole world. Is that what I'm hearing? You know, you have a gift of taking what took me 300 words to say and put it in about 10. <laughs> yes, yes. Please, please make a note of that somewhere and send it to me so I can use that in my elevator pitch going forward. Sure. I'm horrible. I'm horrible with brevity, as you know. The last time we talked, we scheduled 30 minutes. And we ended up talking for an hour, and it felt like 30 seconds when we hung up. So I'm horrible with brevity. But, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what, what you just said. So tell us about that. Why, why the choice to go to New York? Okay. It started by me entering a competition for the Amtrak Rider in Residency Program where they provide people the opportunity to travel cross-country in the U.S. Mm-hmm. to get away from their usual routine, meet some new people, see some new scenery, and hopefully tr- uh, jumpstart their writing juices and get them to write something new. Well, I'm a narrative, self-help, imp- inspirational, motivational type writer, so I thought, what a better story to write as part of my trip than to just write the trip. And, you know, uh, so I won the competition and they said, okay, uh, Max, you can go anywhere in the United States you want to go. Where do you want to go? And I sat down and I thought about it. I said, you know, Max, most of your life, you've done what you should do or what was easiest or what was expected of you. Just this once, what do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to make a list, where is the one place you haven't gone or that you've thought about going or, you know, that's, that's it for you right this minute. And I thought, I've never been to New York City. Uh, My dad used to tell me how much fun he had when when he was there. Of course, he was in the Navy. He was uh, uh, young and running the town in New York. He was there for several, he was there on and off for for a couple of years. But uh, so I thought New York City. And once I decided on New York City, then it was easy to figure out when I wanted to go because we've all seen the the movies, the TV shows, it always looks like the, the best, the best that New York has to offer is Christmas and New Year. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I have to be there. That's when I want to go. And the people at Amtrak said, yeah, we can make that happen. But we want you to know, we want you to know two things. One, we don't pay for anything once you get off the train and before you get back on it. Mm-hmm. And two, New York is one of the most expensive cities in the world and it gets even more expensive during the holidays. And I'm like, Okay, but see, that was the other part of it. In the past, when somebody would have told me, it's going to cost you a lot of money, you're going to have to come up with that money, uh, I would have thought, no, nah, let's not go to New York. Let's go to Los Angeles where I know people. Let's go to Phoenix. You know, I would have, I would have changed my mind, but I was like, I made the decision before thinking about what it was going to cost to make the decision happen. And that's yeah. something that I'm really having to get used to. It's a whole new, <laughs> it's a whole new way of looking at things from – and it's one of the best things that ever happened for me being forced out of the carnival business because I thought that was going to be my future. And not doing that allowed me to do so many other things. Most importantly, it allowed me to think about, okay, what else are you capable of? Mm-hmm. You know, let's get away from this tunnel vision, very narrow view of your future and what you're capable of. And let's just start looking at what all the possibilities are. And that started 
that started when, you know, the one thing was over and it's like, what am I going to do next? And <laughs> at first I helped people sell amusement equipment. And then people were like, Max, you know, all this stuff you're doing online is really inspiring. We want you to tell us more about what's going on in your life. And that led to the blindblogger.net. And that led to a friend of mine challenged me to write my first book. Uh, after that, I was like a lot of writers, after you write the first book, you're like, this is, this is all right. I can do this. <laughs> so uh, the second one, and then I entered the competition using uh, some of the chapters from my first book and uh, went to New York City, was there two weeks, had an amazing time. I came back home, and I hate to say this about my fellow Texans, but I felt more welcome in New York City than I've felt in Houston, Texas in a long time. Okay. It was it was really a, you know, and I, I go to places, uh, you know this about me. My general approach is, is that you meet the people you expect to meet. So I am generally very uh, willing to find people who are supportive, helpful, friendly type people. Mm -hmm. And I just don't seem to be finding those as much here in Texas as I did when I was a kid. And I was like, there was more than once when I was in New York City that I thought, you know, I, I couldn't live in Manhattan, but I could live here. Okay. So, yeah. you know, there was a lot in that. You've gone from just going, you know what, I'm going to do it, to then looking at the details. And is that the way that you're, I mean, obviously with this big trip overseas, you're doing the same thing. That sounds like that's a new thing for you, that you're more looking at the details and then the big picture in the past perhaps? Exactly, exactly. Before I would look at the details and just make a decision and more often than not the decision would be no. <laughs> now it's now it's make the decision, decide. Now it's you decide to do it, figure out what you're going to do, and then then worry about how you're going to make it happen. Because the one thing that life has taught me in the last five ten years is that there is so much out there that is possible if you're looking to find uh, find solutions, if you're willing to ask for help and accept help from others when offered, as opposed to when you're when you're making those excuses and. A lot of times I would say, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I'm responsible for other people, so I can't do this. But, you know, with with these these recent experiences, yes, it's it's been, do I want to do this or not? and Or can I do this or not? And then just go ahead and figure out the how as you go. And I've got one city for sure in England next year. But I've already committed to being there, to leave it here on December 20th. You know, that's crazy. But I'm on a mission. I've, I've just recently started talking about this with friends. Me and a few of my friends online have decided we're going to take back crazy and weird because those two words are being misused. <laughs> I love it. So what's your definition of crazy and weird? Um, I don't. I mean, it's, it's basically anything that, um, anything that most people who, the people who play it safe are going to think, no, there's no way that will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. and I'm, you know, I'm not going to go totally crazy. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to walk around, uh, pick a, I'm not going to walk around London with, with, with cash on me. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to visit the bad sides of town by myself. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to, to be responsible, but I have been, uh, so much more often than not been proven right by, being willing to trust other people, being willing to say, okay, when I will find somebody when that, when I get there uh, and we will see what happens. I, I hope none of your listeners think he's full of crap that, um, 
but it's it is it is it is such a whole it's a it's a big change and it's uh it's one of those things i'm not really completely come to terms with it myself yet but i have seen it happen over a period of time mm-hmm. going from small changes to bigger changes to bigger changes going from small challenges to bigger and bigger and one of my favorite quotes in this whole area is from is from the second star well from the fifth star wars movie now they confuse me uh when when luke is being trained on dagobah by yoda he's Yoda tells him to get that uh, X-Wing fighter out of the swamp by using the force. And mm-hmm. Luke's response is, I can't do that. The thing is too big. And Yoda says, there is no big or small. There only is. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is such a big quote that gets totally ignored. What he's saying is that the size of the challenge is unimportant because you're going to use the same methods, tools, techniques, regardless of how small or big you think it is. Mm-hmm. That is so true, so true. And how's it changed your life since you've got this change in just going and saying yes, being crazy? Um, how's <laughs> how's it changed your life? <laughs> Who have you met? Are there new people in your life because of it? Well, let's, well, I mean, I, I've uh, let's see. I met um, well. There was there's there's Mark and Kurt, the people I lived with uh, when I was in New York. There's uh, Laurie Lawson, a TV host there. There's. Uh, couple of local reporters here. There's you. Um, people underestimate the connections we can make online because I do have so many friends that I have met online that I feel like I know that I trust to look out for me if it comes down to it. So if I come to Australia, I'll be sure to know where you live. <laughs> Excuse me. When I come, when I come to Australia, I'll be sure to find out where you live. Assuming you're home. Cause I hear you're not home very often. No, that's true. We are pretty busy. But there is a direct flight from Dallas to uh, Brisbane, so longest flight in the world. Longest flight in the world. I don't yeah. like long flights. <laughs> I don't yeah. like. I don't. I. I don't mind being in planes, but I just don't like long flights because I'm six foot four, two hundred and seventy pounds, uh, and they keep making the darn planes smaller and smaller, and I'm. Uh, I just have this, I have this thing. I worry about, uh, I worry about blood clots. I worry about mm-hmm. my legs being in a tight cramped condi- position for that long of a flight. It, it just, just makes me really, really nervous. Plus I like to talk to people and I've noticed at least my experiences, people don't talk on planes. No, they don't. I mean, people will talk on a train, they will talk on a ferry, they will talk on the bus, but they will not talk on the plane or in elevators. So I try to avoid both of those if I can. <laughs> Actually, I think on planes, people talk when you're close to landing because they know it's safe. They know it's only one more hour. And if you're really boring, it doesn't matter because <laughs> <laughs> you're about to get off the plane. Whereas if at the beginning of a 16-hour flight, they talk to you, they're like, oh, no, I can't do it because what happens if I don't like him? I've got 16 more hours with him. <laughs> That is so true. It's so funny, but it is so true. Yeah, but I mean, coming back to that about just having the idea and getting there, I mean, that's part of the thing being Australian. We've got no choice. Places are a long way away. And so if we want to travel anywhere, we have to get on one of those long flights. And I, it always fascinates me because I've heard it time and time again in America and in Europe, people going, oh, I'd love to go to Australia, but it's too far. But if Australians thought like that, You'd never see any of it, which may, may or may, may not be a good thing. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, well, if you want it enough, you, you, you make it happen. Exactly, exactly. That's a perfect point for both of us. Um, you in Australia and me here. 
I used to think that I was stuck here in Texas as far as the rest of the country. And it was thanks to the Amtrak uh, prize Mm -hmm. that I realized how much of the country is open to me once I I just decided that it was and didn't Mm -hmm. put that block in my head or... I think the big the the big kid term for it is limiting belief, uh, mm-hmm. but I had it in my head that uh, that it wasn't possible for me to really travel much in the U.S., especially by myself. The more people I meet online, so I'm really happy to be doing shows like yours because I know you have a good, you have a loyal audience and they're they're a smart audience. The more people <laughs> I, the more people I meet like this, the more people I have in the network. Where if something does go wrong, I can go, hey, I'm. Here, here is my problem. Is there anybody who has a suggestion, solution, or knows somebody who might be able to help me with it? And that's that's worked over the years. I know some people say it's because I'm visually impaired. I think that that helps me. It probably gets me answers quicker than if I wasn't. But I think a lot of it is just I'm a nice, humble guy who's working hard and trying to do the same things with my life that a lot of the other people out there are trying to do with theirs. And so they understand when things go wrong for me and I'm trying to get help. Just like I hope they believe that if there's a point where I can help them, I'm going to be one of the first guys there mm. to send an email or make a call or maybe even maybe even send a little money through PayPal if it has to, you know? Oh, good. I'll send you assuming my I, PayPal details. Assuming, okay. I, assuming, <laughs> assuming I know them really well. I'm getting tired of people who I'm getting tired of people who just now connected with me on Twitter, on Twitter and Facebook asking me for money and for my, my, my cell phone number and my, my email address. Huh? <laughs> but do you think I mean I think it's a really valid point you're making most of us don't ask for help we wait till it's too late or we just don't ask at all because we've got some belief that we're not meant to ask for help we're meant to have all the answers so obviously um that's something that you've embraced how do you think that changes yeah. people's lives how's it changed yours since you've started asking for help more all right. Well, for me, I have always asked for help. Now, I will have I will have certain issues. There will be t- there. It's like any other really good lesson. It's one of those lessons that you will always catch yourself going, "Why didn't I do that?" Because I know better, kind of thing. <laughs> and we'll, every so often, I will go, "Max, why didn't you just ask somebody to do that?" Like, you know, like last year when I filled out the application for Podcast Movement and filled out the wrong form, I could have just asked somebody, "Hey." which button did I, did I click and was it the right one? But I didn't, you know, that happens every so often. But um, the thing about asking for help and the other part is being willing to accept help when offered that you didn't ask for, because trust me, that's a whole nother bar. Mm. Uh, a lot of it goes back to the fact that when you grow up with retinitis pigmentosa, otherwise known as RP, the general assumption is uh, sooner or later, you're going to lose your vision. So the two things that they teach They'll, they'll teach kids from an early age is always look directly at the person you're talking to and never be afraid to ask for help. So I have a real big advantage in this whole area because I've been asking for help for years and years and years and nobody ever gives me any grief over it because they're like, what, what, why, what would he do if he didn't ask? So I've been trying to figure out a way to help the side of people get past this. Cause you're right. Too many people fail because they won't ask for help or even worse, they get totally offended if somebody offers them help they didn't ask for. That's, you know, that's, that happens even more. They think they're weak, stupid, silly, uninformed, unprofessional, just fill in the adjective that means they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. if they have to ask for help. So I've come up with two things. One is something my daddy always told me, which is if you don't ask, they can't say yes, which <laughs> is the more positive 
which is a more positive approach to the old one about, you know, why, why not? Cause what's the worst, what, the worst that can happen is they say, no, well, that wasn't the way my dad looked at things. So, yeah. but the other thing that I've come to this, this one on my own is when you refuse to ask for help, you rob the other person of the joy that they would have gotten from helping another person. You're oh. stealing their joy. You are taking good moments out of their lives because of your, uh, foolish resistance to ask somebody else for help. That is gold. I love it. Yeah. And I've been told the thing that makes it so powerful is because we're always focusing on ourselves. And it's, mm. it's a statement that when you get people to listen to it, it makes them focus on the other person. And once you get past the ego that's involved in this whole question, it becomes easy and it, or it will become easy and more natural to ask for help at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how much do you think ego plays in our lives? Where do you you see it really affecting us? I think ego affects us whenever we feel like uh, our personal perception in other people's minds is at risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we worry what what other people are thinking of us to the the point that we decide not to try things because we're afraid of looking silly. Mm Mm-hmm. We worry way too much about what other people think or will say. There are people who are pretty much living their lives based on what people on Facebook or Twitter are going to think or not think about them. And I like to tell people, life ain't the Olympics. They don't award style points, so stop trying to win them. You've got so many little bits of wisdom that just pop out there. You're going with something and then it's like, yeah. Yeah, and in all, and, and if, in in full dis- in purposes of full disclosure, I will tell people that uh, many of these I have I have used before. Uh, I will use again, and they're like pets of mine. But they're they're most of most of them come from thirty forty years of making mistakes and having to learn from stupid things I did, mm-hmm. and from and from listening, observing, and thinking about things. One of the things that really helps me is. Um, I am not distracted by what the, what the eyes see. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm sometimes fooled by people's voices or the, uh, but it's, uh, but I'm not ever, never fooled by my, by my eyes as far as what I see about them. So mm-hmm. I think I meet a lot of people, other people would discount or avoid. I think, uh, the people I meet, I'm able to, to form better friendships quicker because a lot of the baggage that comes from whatever, uh, whatever uh, uniform the person is wearing will affect what they think about them. And they may have to get past some old uh, thought or bias about a person of a particular race, creed, age, gender. You know, there's all these different things that come into our thinking pattern when we have that first meeting. Mm. And here's, here's a stat I learned last year. It came out of the, uh, the many cases where police officers were shooting on unarmed people here in the United States. Um, th- there was a place, a research university who di- they did a study and they found out that if a police officer looks at a person's hands first, he's f- 60% less likely to see the person as threatening than if he looks at the person's face first. Wow. And I thought that was incredible that, um, but there is so much of that bias and ego, you know, really does play it. It keeps us from taking a lot of those risks. It keeps us from expressing a lot of our ideas. You know, we, we want to be liked in the room. We want to be respected in the room. We don't want to be the crazy one. 
who has the unusual ideas or thoughts that people look at you and they'll go, where the heck did that idea come from? <laughs> but I do, you know, I, when, you know, when I, when I'm riding in a car, there's no scenery, you know, when I, uh, there are a lot of times when I think my thoughts are, and I'm allowed to allowed to think them and, and meditate on them and come to some different conclusions because of it. And I can be wrong. There will probably be at least one blind person or somebody in a wheelchair who will disagree with me and tell me, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But you know, it's a lot of it is just having the time or giving yourself the time and forcing yourself to take the time to think. Yeah. And one of the best things I can do for people in that area is what I call modern meditation, which is there are many, many repetitive routine, boring tasks that we do every day. And and for the most part, we cuss and whine and moan while we're doing them, or we try to figure out some way to do something else while we're doing them. But if you would just accept the task and decide, okay, I'm going to focus completely, totally on doing this job, no matter how distasteful, for the next 10, 15, 30 minutes, however long it takes, mm-hmm. you're going to free your mind to think the big thoughts, Yep. To think about the pers- the personal relationships, the the things you are doing in your job, your profession, your f- personal life. And I just think it's interesting. You know, um, they say Einstein, a lot of his work on the theory of relativity was done by working at, while working at the patent office, basically filing documents day after day. Just this week, a UPS employee who specializes in tracking numbers has this, this has discovered the world's largest prime number, and I don't know what the money was, but he won a big uh, research prize for discovering this huge prime number. And this guy works in an office where all he does is worry about those stupid, what is it, 18-digit UPS <laughs> tracking code numbers. Uh, I have, you know, but that's the, I. I did a podcast last year with a guy. He used to work in a laundry, and he had to fold. He had to fold six hundred hot towels every day. Wow. He said. He said by the time he was through, or during the course of that of that job, he said he had some some of the best thinking he ever done yeah. was done when he was standing there hot and sweaty and folding these towels one after another after another. And we just, but but most people we don't accept the dirty grungy tasks and you know let ourselves go into them and and use them as a place for meditation mm. we just try to figure out how to get out of them we've tried to make mm. them go quicker we try to do something else at the same time yeah you're exactly right and i mean as a designer you know i understand the design process is about ebb and flow and we always have to be creative we have to deliver on time on budget so it doesn't matter if our creative juices are flowing or not we still need to deliver and so I've learned that when something's not flowing for me, when I'm meant to be designing, I just let it go and I get on to another task, something else that doesn't need my creative mind going. And I find that the back of my mind still works it out, does its own stuff, and then it comes to the forefront and it's like, cool, I've actually solved it without even working on it and really stressing to try and get that answer. <laughs> so I completely get where you're coming from. It's when you start doing some of that mindless stuff that you, your brain gets the opportunity to, to really to think, to think differently and think creatively. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, that's the, one of the, one of the main reasons why I still really, really miss my, uh, my dog Penny is I, I used to call her my mindfulness coach and people would think I was saying that just to get a laugh or as a, 
as something to as something to say as a conversation starter. But I honestly believe that if you pay attention to animals and watch how they live, they are mindfulness coaches. They will teach you about how to be in the moment. Yes. And I used to do some of my best thinking while having to scratch that spot on her back that she couldn't reach. <laughs> and, and she would make me scratch it for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time sometimes. And she would always interrupt me in the middle of a blog post. I was always in the middle of doing something else that I thought was more important. And she would come up and she'd go, no, Max, your job is to scratch my back. Now get to your real job and you can mess with that stupid laptop in, in a little while. Oh, I love her. One question I do ask my guests is, where would you see yourself in 50 years? If you transported yourself 50 years' time, who would be around you? What sort of person would you be? What would it be? Uh, That is really hard to say. I mean, 50 years from now, I mean, 50 years, let's see, I'm 51 now, I'd be 100. So I could, physically, I could still be active, assuming there are no changes in technology. Uh. I do not really know. Um, I think more books, but maybe something. Uh, I've I've never tackled fiction, okay. So, so that that could be something. Um, I know whatever it is I'll be doing, it'll be something that I either haven't done before or haven't done in that exact same way, or it'll be something where I'm encouraging and teaching other people to to do things in an unusual way. Um, one of the guys who uh, I've, I've read all of his books so far is a guy named Eric Wymamir. And uh, when I talk about him, people are like, uh, Max, you really don't have anything to, uh, to think about as far as comparing yourselves. And I'm like, I, I don't compare myself to him because we, we, have, we do our adventuring in different places. Me, it's online. It's recording videos. It's doing podcasts and stuff. Him, he actually goes and climbs mountains. And in, okay. uh, and in one of his books... In one of his books, no, in not in his book, uh, he started what he calls No Barriers. And I think I would like to do something like that. I think I would like to have like a no excuses place and have people come and really teach them just how to, to go deep into the person that they're meant to be. And instead of playing it safe and holding themselves back and feeling responsible for everybody but themselves, you know, just really let them be themselves and not have to really th- – not have to do anything, but focus on themselves, uh, challenge themselves, and go after at least one big goal or dream. I think that would be a really fun way to make a living. And and who knows? Maybe someday there will be a no excuses. Uh, uh, what, is it, what do they call those? Retreat or uh, yeah. university or something? Who knows? Who knows? But that's kind of what, if 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 I have to think about something, that would be kind of what I would expect for myself in fifty years. And so, no excuses. Are you obviously um, implementing that in your life? When when do you trip up with it, and when when does it work for you? Well, it works for me um, when I'm trying to solve a problem. It doesn't work for me when I am when I have those uh, those few moments where I'm listening to the gremlins, and I'm going, I'm scared. I don't want to do this, and they're like, Max, you can't. I mean, you can't not do it because you've already done X, Y, and Z. I mean, I actually had this happen to me just last year. I didn't want to sing in a talent show because the song was too hard. Mm-hmm. And the woman actually said, Max, you, are you honestly going to try to tell me that this is too hard? Um, we, had, we went back and forth a while, and I ended up singing part, part of the song. So we, we did uh, Dion and the Belmonts, uh, I Wonder Why, which you probably don't know that song. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like... 
it's one of those things. It will catch up with you because people will go, well, why don't you want to do that? Don't mm-hmm. tell me you're afraid of it. Don't tell me you can't because we both know those answers are wrong. So, <laughs> so well, you know, it, it, there, there, there are some drawbacks to it because I'm sure eventually somebody is going to ask me to do something. I'm going to have to tell them, no, I ain't gonna. <laughs> well, that's different from not making an excuse. Just saying no because you don't want to do it is completely different from having an excuse. Yeah, but... Yeah, but part of my being would tell me that when I say I ain't going to do it, there's probably some excuse making in there. <laughs> okay, so that's a bit of self-reflection there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I get it. yeah all right. Yeah, yeah. by the way, I still haven't faced my fear of heights or roller coasters, so I'm, I'm looking to do both of those in the next year. Oh, wow. So why the need to overcome fear? Um, partly because I feel like I should, and I want to see how it will change me if I do. And, mm-hmm. and part of it is because everything you do when you're a coach, everything you do has the potential to be a life lesson for somebody else. Sure. So I'm thinking, you know, get me a GoPro camera, let them take the video of me screaming my butt off <laughs> at Space Mountain or something. And, you know, just let, let them see the video and go, Hey, I was scared, but, uh, you know, I did it. Here's the picture they take at the end of the ride, you know? <laughs> That's the kind of, I mean, I, I don't ever see myself skydiving or bungee jumping, but I, I do I do plan to, you know, to, to go up in the Eiffel Tower or, the, or some other, mm. other tall buildings that cross my path, and I do plan to ride some thrill rides. Uh, I'm not going to become a member of the American Coaster Experience Group. That ain't happening, <laughs> but, but I, I do, you know, like uh, – one of the reasons why I, I, I sing on YouTube some of the time is because it's something that I've always been afraid of, hearing my voice out loud. Okay. And so I keep doing it because when people ask me, why do you do that? I can tell them it's a life lesson. It's me every, you know, every so often reminding people that I am continuing to do something that continues to scare me. I don't, yeah. uh, so that's, and that's, that's, but those are the reasons why I would like to face those particular fears. Um, I'm not going to address my fear of snakes or, or, or spiders, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to cross roller coasters and high places off my wheels. Okay. You better not come to Australia there where we've got most of the deadliest snakes in the world. Yeah. And spiders. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll have something like eight out of the top 10 most deadly in the world, mm-hmm. but, uh, they don't generally reside in the cities, do they? Oh, you never know. <laughs> Oh, see, it's kind of like here. You have those, you have those underground um, per- people who personally own these crazy, um, dangerous, life-threatening critters, but they keep them in their houses and don't tell nobody they have them. Kind of deal. <laughs> I have to admit, the last snake I did see was in Texas, so I think you've got your fair share as well. <laughs> uh, we have lots of them here, but a lot of the most dangerous snakes in the United States are here because people have brought them from other countries. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, on a different note, how can people get in touch with you? Right. They can go to theblindblogger.net, theblindblogger.net. They can follow me on Twitter at Maxwell Ivy, or they can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Maxwell Ivy. But theblindblogger.net is where everything eventually ends up. And if they want to follow me over there, they sign up to the email list. I'm going to... I'm going to give anybody who signs up to the email list in for at least, let's see, this is January uh, till my birthday, April 17th of 2018. I'm going to give them a copy of the audio book from my first book, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light. 
Okay, that sounds good. It's a short book. It's about four hours. It has some good life lessons in it as well. And it has some exercises people can do. And it has my email address so they can report on their progress. It's a, um, I'm just as proud of that book as I am the new one, The Blind Bloggers, New York City Adventures. And again, it's theblindblogger.net. Beautiful. Well, I think I might just be signing up. Um, before we go, if you could leave one word of wisdom about how people could design their best life, what would you say? Okay. I found this word a few years ago by accident. It's Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. It's a Japanese word that means to make small, continual, incremental improvements every day. And so I like to remind myself to do at least one concrete thing today that will move me closer to my goal and then either do that again or do more or do different things. But do those small, uh, take those small steps every day and eventually those small steps do add up to a big step or a big leap forward. Mm, Great advice. Thank you, Max. It's been awesome speaking to you as always. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed talking with you. It always goes by way too fast and we've had a lot of fun. And I hope the, I hope the people watching and listening will, will get some good out of it. And I hope that they contact one or, or both of us and, and let us know if it, um, if it, if it affected or impacted them anyway. Um, I like to tell people that it's taken me a long time to become used to the idea that I'm inspirational, but I've decided that I like it. There's only one thing about it. I like it even better when people will tell me what I inspired them to do. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in, and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honor your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.